Supermax Network Production. This is the Fly Moto 60 Show on PulpMX.com, taking your calls and looking ahead to the races with your host, Steve Mathis. Yeah, hello everybody. Thursday, July 25th, 2013. This is the Fly Racing Moto 60 Show. Thank you everybody for listening. We appreciate it. We are live on the air and uh, we uh, greatly appreciate you taking the time to listen to this. We, uh, we talk moto on this show. Uh, Fly Racing is the gear and helmet choice of Andrew Short, Trey Kennard, Weston Pike, Michael Byrne, and a whole host of other top-level athletes. Fly Racing distributed exclusively in the United States by Western Power Sports and is available in 40-plus countries worldwide. I'm your host, Steve Mathis, with me taking your calls, producing the show, handling things behind the scenes, and really hoping for a Ryan Dungey victory this uh, Saturday at Millville is uh, the Tits Legendary Tits. What's up? Yo. You got a job. You got a new job. Yeah. Hmm, interesting. Uh-huh. All right. We'll talk about that. Yeah. Uh, 702-586-7857. Call in anytime uh, to talk moto with myself. Uh, we're going to have Jason Thomas on in a little bit, and we're going to have Jeff Emig on, uh, multi-time national champion. Jeff Emig and multi-time German supercross champion, Jason Thomas. Yeah, that's right. I just pulled that. Um, Washugal has come and gone. It is in the rearview mirror, and it is eventful. It was eventful. Uh, there's no doubt about it. It was uh, something else. Uh, looking ahead this weekend, Millville, round nine of the uh, 12-round Lucas Oil Series. Millville's always hot. Always humid. I checked the weather, thinking that that could be a factor. It's supposed to be 71. So, yeah, maybe not so much. 71 and sunny. That's pretty good for the racers and for the teams. Um, Millville's a challenging track, a little sandy. Got some sand whoops on it. Um, hilly. Gets rough in the back section. So, with uh, with that in mind, uh, Eli Tomac and Ken Roxon. Roxon's ahead by one point. Who do you think's going to win? Uh, Tits, who do you think's going to win? Who's, who, who's got this? 250 or 450. Or both. Said, oh, you didn't hear me. I said Roxon Tomac. I want to see Roxon. We'll stick okay. with him. All right. He's one up. Yep. Yep. So you're confident of Kenny, of the German. I, I don't want to say I'm confident. That's who yeah. I'd like to see win it. Oh, uh, okay. All right. Um, Ryan Dungey pretty much. And we're going to ask our guests this, Tits. But Ryan Dungey has to go 1-1 this weekend. Yeah. If yeah. he has any hope of getting yeah. this title. Yeah. And it's looking slim. But. Yeah. Uh, um, what was that? Email, sorry, I forgot to put my phone on. Ridiculous, you're fired. Wait, no, you're not. I can't get, I can't get anybody else for your wages. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Fly Racing Moto 60 show. Jason Thomas coming up, Jeff Emig. Um, we're we're going to give away a Fly Kinetic Shock gear. Uh, kinetic gear, uh, shock mesh. Beautiful stuff, uh, lightweight, uh, perfect for the summer. Uh, it's 2014 is the new style. So check it out, flyracing.com. We thank you guys for... Uh, supporting our sponsors who listen, and thanks to Fly Racing for coming on board this show. Uh, 702-586-7857. Call in. we got a little bit of time before we get to our first guest. Uh, tell me what's on your mind. Uh, random caller wins the gear, so don't call in begging for the gear. We're just going to give it away to a random caller. Hayden, what's going on, man? Uh, yeah, just I had a question about this. Uh, the, I mean, Lugo, if you think Alessi might be riding with a chip on his shoulder, if he might try to stay more low-key in the pits. It's a good question. Um... Yeah, a lot of controversy. You know, Jeff Alessi's banned and definitely Tony Alessi suspended for the rest of 2013. The Motor Concepts team is fined ten grand. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I think he just. I mean, you know, Mike's Mike's a. I, I've long been a defender of Mike Alessi. He's a racer. He doesn't care. 
you know, if Ryan Dungey's behind, um, uh, I don't know, if Ryan Dungey's behind another rider and, and they right. know that Ryan Dungey's faster, they usually don't put up too much of a fight for Ryan Dungey um, because they know that in the end he's going to get him. Uh, but Alessi, no, no. Alessi will fight whoever it is, no matter how many times he's been beaten. He will fight, uh, he would have fought, he would fight to the death. So um, I admire Mike Alessi. I don't think his attitude is going to change one bit. To answer your question, I don't think he'll put up a fight. You know, if he gets a start, which he, he normally usually does, he'll put up a fight. He'll ride as strong as he can. Last year at Millville, he got second overall. I don't think he'll get second overall this year, but he's fast there. So, um, yeah, I, I think I think Hayden, I think uh, I think Mike just just does what he always does. You know, and, and he's never the best at handling media interactions. So I'm right. interested to see how he deals with this. If any media ask him. But then again, you know, if he gets in a podium, if he gets in a podium, he has to do a press conference. There, yeah, you never know what's going to come out of that. <laughs> well, yeah, but I wonder what's going on with the media because no one asked Ryan Villapoto at the press conference about laser in his eyes. Not one member <laughs> of the press asked him, and I'm blown away by that. I wasn't at the press conference. I was probably right about then getting it, trying to get it, avoid getting into a fight. But, uh, um, yeah, I don't know. You should ask him. You should ask Michael Alessi if the turmoil around the team has affected him this week in testing and riding and racing and see what he says. But uh, I don't know. Unless Most anything, it should make the, make the rest of the season a little more interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right, Hayden, thanks, man. Thank you. Thanks. Uh, let's get to Curtis. Curtis, what's going on, man? Hey, Steve, how you doing? Good, thanks for listening. Hey, uh, not to uh, press on Lasergate too much more, I just kind of have a <laughs> Interesting question. If you think uh, Tyler Villapoto had done what Jeff Leffy did, do you think the AMA takes points away from uh, Ryan? Tyler Villapoto shines a laser into In Michael Leffy's eyes. That's a good question. Uh, I don't know who. I don't know if Tyler Villapoto would do such a stupid thing. But let's say let's I'm say the same crazy yeah, ultimate right. universe that just happened. Right, right. Hey, that's a good question. If there's one part of the penalties that MX Sports dished out that I don't agree with. It was taking Michael Lessie's points away. I feel uh, the same way. But, you know, there is rules that the rider is responsible for his crew. Jeff was in full crew gear. Um, they wanted to hit the team where it hurt. Although you, mm-hmm. you, could, you could think the $10,000 fine would hit the team where it hurt. But um, yeah, uh, that's the one part I maybe don't agree with. I did a podcast with uh, Weege and Jason Thomas, and they both thought it was fine. But uh, that's a great question. If the roles are reversed, I'm thinking. I'm thinking so. I really do. Um, the fines were fines were pretty heavy. Um, yeah, they weren't. They weren't light. No, sure. they weren't light at all. So, do does Brian Villapoto get his points taken away? I I, I say get, no chance. You say no chance. No chance. I don't think he would get his points taken away. Nope. I think he's got. He would pull something or just say, "Hey, don't take my points away," and they won't. <laughs> hey, don't take my points away. They, they've always uh, said they don't want to affect the like the championship, and that's maybe more supercross. Like when, like yeah. when Ricky had the fuel, when Ricky had the fuel situation, you know, I think he lobbied to get his back. points back. Oh yeah, no, the, the fuel situation was a great move by Roger DeCoster because he went, <laughs> he went to the FIM and said, "Hey, you guys also also sanction this thing besides the AMA. What do you mm-hmm. think about this?" And FIM said, "Oh no, no, we think it's fine." So it was a good move, good strategy by Roger DeCosta on that part. I, I don't know, yeah. man. That's it's a great question. Um, I, I think, just crossed my mind. I yeah. wanted to see what you would nah, think with your I, I uh, think, expertise. I think they do. I really do. Although, yeah. wow, what a shitstorm that would be. But really, like, <laughs> like, hey, you should have seen the people in the pits. Like, 
you would tell somebody, hey, can you believe someone was shining a laser in someone's eyes on a starting line? They go, oh, my God, no way, really? Jesus, I oh, can't no, believe that. And then you go, oh, it's Jeff Alessi. Oh, okay. All right. Like <laughs> yeah, when, when, when the story popped up on the, on the interweb and I just saw the picture of Davey Coombs walking away from Jeff Alessi with his, with his face, I was like, that is just priceless, and it's not surprising at all. No, and that's the people who race the Alessis and the amateurs are like, oh, yeah, yeah, okay, all right. I totally believe it. Like you could have almost said anything like, hey, aliens came down. Did they, was Jeff driving the spaceship? Yeah. Okay. All right. I get it. You know. So yeah, it's it's uh, it's one of those things where they they people were not that surprised. Amazingly enough. So no. Thanks, Curtis. All right. Well, thanks for taking my call. Steve. All right. Thank you, man. Um. All right. Let's go to Jared. Jared, what's going on? How's it going, buddy? What's up? Yeah, I wanted I wanted to ask you. Do you think I know someone asked you on the Pulp Show that night if or they asked Mike if Tony will still be team manager on the team? But that was before his little breakdown he had that night. Do you think he pissed off enough people in this industry that Mike is Mike Genova is honestly going to have no choice but to not have Tony on that team? Nope. I think Tony comes back. I absolutely believe oh, he really? comes back. Yeah, Mike. Mike. Mike needs. Mike really does need him. Um, you can. Make all the jokes you want. Uh, Mike, Mike's been around his dad the whole time. His dad works well with him. When Mike has tried to separate himself from his dad, he, his results haven't been as good. Uh, there, was, there was a while where Tony wasn't coming to some races and Supercross days when Mike wrote for KTM. So uh, Mike needs his dad, and, and I think Mike Genova knows that, and I think Tony absolutely comes back. Yeah. Hmm. So. Yeah, I just – and I – like. I understood Tony's standpoint for the fact he's defending this kid, but, like, he kept not even understanding. Jeff's a full-grown man. Let him take whatever he did, accept it, and just deal with it. But they were just they were trying to turn this whole thing around as to how Jeff was treated. Like, that yeah. was what just uh-huh. was. And I don't think, I really don't think the penalties and fines would be as high if Tony wouldn't have done all that, especially I, to Davey Toombs. I, I mean, I it's kind of common sense. No, I absolutely agree. Uh, I think if... Um... Jeff gets caught. The team admits everything. Um, I think that Jeff's ejected. The team is fined, and that's the end of the story. That's the end. Like with the the question the caller just asked, that was a great question. But also, um, how was I just going to say that? I think because it was the Alessis, and because of the controversy and maybe some of the things they've done in the past, it was just blown up so much more because no one really was surprised by it. But then it was also like. Okay, maybe this time something does need to be done. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I, I agree with all that. You're absolutely right. Yep. Um, just some of it could be just people just got tired. People just got tired of dealing with it, you know. But I mean, it's That's a pretty it's a pretty serious offense. You shine a laser. Now, in no way am I taking this next leap, um, uh, you know, forward. But if you shine a laser in a pilot's eyes, you go to jail. It's a it's a big serious deal. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not saying that that should have happened or anything like that. Um, and if there's one thing I regret about the Pulp Mech show on Monday, I believe at one point I was yelling that Jeff was an idiot. I probably should have gone that far. But I um, think in a little bit of a way you have the right to say that. Because you kind of, all you did is your job. Even we listened to your podcast this morning. All you did is you reported it. That's what you're supposed to do. You didn't just grab something and say, oh, this is this, I heard this. You got factual things from people, eyewitnesses that were there. You had facts. Yeah, yeah. You no, have enough to put that down. And then they're threatening you. I watched the video, too, where he said he's going to elbow you in the face and whatever. 
I think in a little bit of a way you have that right because I'm pretty sure he said a lot more bad stuff about you than you about him. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I just I maybe should have stayed above the uh, above the slop, let's say. Um, you know, Davy Coombs did get an email this week from somebody who said that they did not like my language um, in the video. So. Uh, you know things like that. But in all honesty, you didn't know you were, did. You know you no. were being recorded at that oh, time. Oh no, of course not. No, of course not. And it was a super confrontational thing where Tony was really mad at me and really swearing. Oh, he was. So. I could, I could, I could hear the, the video I watched, and I was like, yeah. I was impressed of what you know. I couldn't really hear anything you were saying, but at the same time, you were keeping your composure. You may have cursed, swore, whatever, but you kept your composure. So I commend you for that. Yeah, thanks, man. Yeah, I got, I've got a bunch of texts and a bunch of. Uh, um, people t- telling me about it, emails. It's not worth fighting over. Jeff Alessi shining a laser into somebody. It's not worth fighting for you. You know, you fight for your wife. You fight for your friends. You you, you know, you fight if you need self defense. If Tits needs help, I fight for him. But other than that, you know, you, you it's not worth it. It's simply not worth it to me. Like you know. So uh, thanks, Jared. Appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, Thank you. Thanks, man. Um, go to Billy. Billy, you say the AMA uh, did something to you. Uh, you shone, you shined a light in somebody's eyes? Uh, well, not quite that. <laughs> what, um, what'd you do? I was actually doing a GNCC at Loretta Lens. Uh-huh. And um, I was walking the motocross part of it and kind of, you know, looking at the track. And some guys that I knew, they actually wasn't in my pit crew, but um, they knew. I knew them. They knew me. <clears throat> they were kind of walking around in the same area as I was. And one of them... Uh, had a broke leg, so he was riding around on a little pit bike, and uh, Rita Coombs had actually given him a sticker to uh, put on the bike, so it, you know, told everybody, hey, you know, this guy's allowed to ride this pit bike, whatever. Mm-hmm. He was uh, he was coerced into getting onto the track. I told that guy, I said, man, don't, you know, don't get on that track. You're going to get me or somebody else in trouble. And uh, so he gets out there, Jeff Russell confronts him on the spot. You know, hey, why are you on the track? Right. Blah, blah, blah. You know, who are you with? He points at me. Jeff Russell looks at me and goes, you're disqualified instantly. Yeah. I mean, no questions. I'm like, hey, man, that guy didn't ride in here with me or anything. Yeah, he... Disqualifies me. Uh, I go to Rita Coons. Hey, you know, this is what happened, blah, blah, blah. She let me race. But, man, yeah. I'm telling you. Because he was with it, you. Because he was with in your crew. Well, right. he was, yeah, he, yeah. I think, you know, initially he thought, well, to get myself out of hot water because, you know, I was in A class and I was racing at the time. He's like, maybe that, you know, he was probably thinking that that probably was going to get him out of trouble or whatever. Yeah, but, yeah, right, right. You know, instantly disqualification, no questions asked. Mm. You know, that's on amateur side, but you know, yeah. pro shouldn't be any different. No, I got it. Thanks, Billy. All right, thanks. Appreciate it, Steve. What's up? What's going on? Thanks for listening <laughs> to the Fly Racing Moto Sixty Show. What's up, dude? How's it going? Good. How are you? Oh, pretty good. Hey, uh, I wanted to, like, kind of, I guess, bring this up, not so much a question or maybe just get your opinion on it, but, like, I mean, honestly, this whole Jeff Leslie thing, it was really dumb. Don't get me wrong. Like, it, it was pretty funny, too, but, uh, you know, like, I think it's kind of, like, cowardly on a, on part of DC and MX Sports to kind of throw the book at MCR because, you know, he, he's a small team. I mean, yeah, the guy is worth a lot of money, but he's not, like, a pro circuit or a factory team, and they threw the book at him. And, you know, when it comes to a lot of, like, this PED thing, like, I don't really know know much about it. Obviously, I'm, I'm, I'm just a fan. I listen to you guys all the time, you know, Rita Racer X, et cetera. But, uh, you know, there's obviously blatant cheating going on. And, you know, 
it was brought to light on you know on the other night on the Pulp and Mech show because you know that, that Ziggy guy is you know supposedly working with government officials or feds or whatever. I don't I don't know exactly what it is, but I just think it's kind of like hypocritical for you know for him to throw it for DC to throw the book at MCR and then you know totally turn a blind eye to you know wow. any type of uh, drug testing. And I guess supposedly there's something being put into effect in the next year or whatever, but it's been a really long time and nothing's been done. Yeah. So I wanted to get your opinion on, you know, well, as far as like you know, PEDs and things like that. Both Supercross and Motocross can do a way better job with uh, PED testing. You say it's obvious it's going on. I, I don't know if I'd say that. I mean, how do you, you know, you don't know. I don't know. Do, do, well, I mean, I mean, do I, do I think it's, it's going on? It's there, obvious you know, in the... All right, finish what you're saying. Sorry. Do I think it's going on? I mean, there's millions of dollars at stake. It has to be some guys doing it. Um, you know, I've had private conversations with Johnny O'Mara, who knows a lot about this stuff, and he's just like, hey, it's too expensive. You really got to have a doctor who knows what he's doing. I don't believe it's that big in the sport. Um, other people are like, it's everywhere. You know, uh, they, MX Sports and Feld need to do a better job. And like you said, there was word that they were going to do a better job with, um, with it. But I don't know if it's everywhere. I don't know if it's so obvious. I don't know, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know if I'd go that far. I mean, you know? honestly, the reason I think it's obvious is if why is that Ziggy guy going, if he feels so passionate about it, then why is, you know, I mean, he obviously knows more than 99% of the fans that listen to this show. I mean, he's a team manager of a pretty successful team, you know, Factory Connection. Yeah. So that just leads me to believe that it must be happening. You know, I mean, I, I always kind of had a hunch, like, I mean, I think Ryan Villapoto is an awesome rider, but, you know, a lot of people accuse him of it. And, you know, it's kind of hard, you know, you put two and two together, you know, working with Alden. You know, everyone who works with Alden seems to have, like, you know, a lot of success. And, you know, I don't know, I'm not directly right. accusing him of it, but it makes you wonder if, you know, okay, a manager. If, 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 if RV's doing it, and I can understand why someone would say that, if, if he is doing it, Ryan Dungey has to be doing it too. Because Ryan Dungey's right there. And Ryan Dungey in 2010... And 2011, no wait, yeah, he had 2012. Yeah, no doesn't mean he had, doesn't mean he doesn't have a trainer back in Tallahassee. You know, doesn't mean yeah, doesn't, true, doesn't, true. doesn't work with a doctor. <laughs> Ryan Dungey was destroying the field uh, in 2012 and 2010. I mean, he was putting, you know, Andrew Short and Michael Essie and these guys that that worked their asses off. He's putting their, them to shame with lap times. So if you're gonna say RV, and I get it, you need to say Dungey. Um, if you're gonna, yeah, if I mean, it's, uh, if it's not just the 450 class, you know. I mean, obviously, like the re, it, you know, the whole Ziggy thing. I mean, the Tony Leslie thing. I mean, he kind of went overboard. He kind of flipped his shit. But you know, I don't think he's taught, he's more in the loop than a lot of people. And yeah, he's a passionate guy. I mean, he's a little nutty, but you know, I don't think he. You know, I feel like maybe that was one of the reasons why he flipped his shit because you know they threw the book at well, him, and then he he knows or he feels that there's blatant you know yeah. PED use going it's, on. It's unfair because the winners always get accused of that. The you know Mitch Payton had a good point on our show, and and I'm not trying to like I'm not trying to like uh, suck the industry's you know balls here and say like there's no problem, there's nothing. I do believe. Oh, it no, goes you got you got to yeah. cover your ass, man. I understand no, that. No, no. You're, it's a no, small I, industry. It's I not like a lot of you know journalist spots, and you know you can't really badmouth people. So I don't, you know, I don't no. hold it against you that you're not, you know, you might not be totally reporting on things, but you well, okay. know, no, no, I appreciate no. the fact I, that you, you know, let people like me at least, you know, share our opinions. I've never, okay, clearly looking at me, I'm not involved in training or performance enhancing drugs. So <laughs> yeah. I, I've never seen anybody do it. I, I. Years ago, when I was a mechanic, I heard someone was doing HGH, that's, and I heard, like, I saw this guy do HGH. That was the closest I've ever heard of anything happening. Was was 10 years ago, someone was like, 
hey, that dude's doing HGH because he asked me if I wanted to do it. Um, I've never seen it. I've never heard of it. Um, we need to do a better job of it. There's millions of dollars at stake. It's probably going on. Um, but as a journalist, there's no chance in hell I would accuse someone uh, without having some facts and without knowing what's going on because that's really unfair. Um, but if you're going to throw a shot at RV, and he's certainly with Alden Baker, you know, there's certainly lots of uh, people who suspect that and do that. I would, I would, I would throw it at. If you're going to throw it at RV, I would throw it at John at Eli Tomac because he has the ability to go three seconds faster on some laps than anybody else late in the moto, and he's winning. I would throw it. Oh, at, absolutely. I would, I would throw it no, at Ryan Dungey. I, I would. I, throw I, it I at, agree with you. I'm not. I'm not just singling out. You know, right. Bill Poto. I mean, I think it's in both classes or anything like that. You know, but yeah. to, and one thing I'd like to bring up though, the whole like him. You know, him saying, "Oh, I'll put throw down a hundred thousand dollars." Like, why would anyone bet a hundred thousand dollars on the outcome of a blood test? I mean, yeah, I think someone should step up and pay for a proper blood test. But as far as like betting on it, like using a ridiculous number like that, that's stupid. Just right. make you know, like, right. if you really, you know, so if someone, if he was willing to take the test and someone put up the money for it, you know, if MX Sports actually acted like a, you know, governing agency instead of just, you know, a clown show, they would have proper testing in place and he would take it no problem. Well, it sounds like he would, but that the whole throwing that big number out there thing, it doesn't, you know, I think anyone that, you know, has any uh, critical thinking ability would right. see that's, you know, that's bullshit. Well, uh, when you say MX Sports, you also failed. Feld also needs to do a better job. Feld, they both, yeah, do. The whole, they absolutely. Both do. You know, everyone yeah. involved. There's no, you know. All right, we got to I mean, run. No. We got to run. Thank you for your calls. You're right. Both things do need to do a better job. Absolutely. I'm on your side. Absolutely. On All right. Thanks, man. Thanks, man. All right. See ya. Uh, man, lines are busy, uh, busy, busy. Go to Brandon. Brandon, what's happening? Hey, I just wanted to uh, to say um, the last few shows have been absolutely riveting. Um, have you gotten any reports back from like your podcast or anything to see how many more people were listening over the past uh, uh, had, few shows? Ah, uh, wow! Much to my much to my dismay, I had to pay extra money for my server to uh, to handle a better uh, uh, connection. So I, I haven't checked the numbers yet, but for sure, Brandon, uh, it's the biggest one we've done, or one of the biggest ones. Show number one hundred with the Great Western Bank was really big, and the Mark Pellegrino show was very very big. Uh, when when he pulled a Tony Alessi somewhat, um, but no, we haven't looked at it. But for sure, yeah, the servers were swamped and everything. So awesome. Um, and and uh, let's I guess move on to next week. Uh, do you think uh, Dungey's got Villapoto covered at Millville? Well, as I said at the top of the show, Dungey has to go one one. This thing's almost out of hand as far as him winning it. But if it's going to start any time, it's going to start at his home track. Remember, the last time RV raced Millville was twenty. 11 and he had a big lead in the second moto he got hot and ryan dungy caught him and uh tracked him and passed him so dungy definitely uh hauls ass at millville so awesome hey keep up the great work Steve. hey thanks brandon appreciate, appreciate it. it thank yeah. you um kyle you want to talk about jesse wetland yeah i was uh wondering how you thought um jesse wetland and like alex and jeremy martin are going to do at their uh, home track uh, yeah, Jesse Wentland um, was going to use his Canadian national experience that helped him immensely to uh, to do well. I was very excited to see Jesse up in Canada. He'll do he'll do good for sure. He'll absolutely. Alex crashed last week before Washougal, knocked himself out, and he's got a black eye and everything else, and he's dealing with a concussion. He's hoping to race Millville. He probably will try. So I don't know, but I don't know how good he's going to be. You know what I mean? As far as hundred yeah. percent, how close to hundred percent. <laughs> Uh, but Jeremy Martin should kick ass, right? Um, theoretically, you'd have to pick Jeremy Martin for a podium, wouldn't you? Yeah, if not a win. Absolutely. Right, right. Uh, maybe he wins a moto. Maybe he 
I mean, I mean, he appears to be shape. He rides at the track, lives at the track. Um, yeah, I, he'd have to podium, I would think. Yeah, so. and do you and like and Jesse? You think uh, he can have like a outbreak ride, maybe like top ten, or just yeah. at least like fight up there? You know what, Alex Martin. No matter what, he rode for Geico one year at Millville. Other times, he um, he Alex Martin always was a good five to six spots better at Millville almost every race. You know what I mean? So yeah, right. I would think Jesse would expect the same. I mean, Jesse's a 10 to 15th place guy mm-hmm. in nationals, so let's say top 10, yeah. All right. So. That sounds good. All right, man. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Kyle. Um, we're still looking to give away a, a set of Fly Kinetic gear on the Fly Racing Moto 60 show here. We need to need to get on that. Um, let me see here. What else we got? Uh, Nathan. Nathan, what's happening? Hey, Steve, just falling asleep listening to all the laser gate stuff. Yeah, I know. I was hoping to not talk too much about it, but it is a big deal, and people do want to talk about it. So, yeah, what yeah, are we doing? You have to do what happened to watch you go into the fight, but uh, trying to move past it because Michael Essie's been a stand up guy recently, and it kind of yeah. sucks for him. Yeah, no, I don't believe Michael Essie had, any, had anything to do with it. And despite yeah. Tony going batshit crazy, I don't think Tony had anything to do with it. Tony didn't say, Jeff, hey, go shine a light. In, in no, people's eyes, not, and I don't bad deal for him, you know. Yeah, and I don't think Mike Genova had anything to do with it. So, absolutely. Hey, I had a question. Uh, we know Freeze had a one right deal at Washougal and had a big get off uh, both at Thursday night and at Washougal, and uh, he's done for. They're not taking a bike anywhere with him anywhere for the rest of no, the series. Or? No, that was it. That was a Washougal was a one 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 race deal, from what I understand. All right, and then we got Canada back with DDR or Doctor D. Yeah, Doctor D. Uh, Canada's going to ride a four fifty. Jake Canada, so he'll be on a 450. That'll be interesting to see. And Top Jimmy's coming back? No, no, Top Jimmy is racing amateur races right now. He's scared to race pro races. Um, but he's up Millville riding that. Yes, yeah, he's going to be Millville. He's going to ride plus 25 and just, just break in the wrist and see how it is. He's not quite ready yet. He wants to hit some, yeah. of, the, some of the last ones. But, um, I saw a pitch up there, and I was like, dang, it's pretty quick to get back on the pro circuit for you know how long he's been on the bike. Yeah, yeah, he was hoping... I think he's only been on the bike for two weeks, and he's was off of it for ten to twelve weeks or something. So, yeah, yeah. All right, man. All right, well, go stop for you. Thanks, Nathan. Right. Ernie, you there? Yes, sir. What's happening? Thanks for being on hold for so long. Uh, thank you for uh, calling the Fly Racing Moto Sixty Show. What's up? Uh, you mentioned on the uh, review about one punch would be thrown. Who would throw it? You or uh, Jeff? No, I meant more like. Like in these fights with lots of people, there's usually only one oh, punch. Okay, yeah. There's one punch thrown, and then everybody gets in the middle of it. You know, um, oh, Jim, yeah. I would never have swung first, as I said earlier. It's just not worth it to me. I'm not going to do that yeah. over a guy shining a laser over me reporting it. Um, you know, about the only person I would stand up for and fight like that, it would be Tits. He's the only guy that I would, I would, I would take a swing for. Um, I, 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 yeah, Jeff would have hit me, and then who knows from there? Everybody would have probably got in the middle of it. But I did, for the record. Uh, that video is only two minutes of 20 minutes. Um, Jeff came at me twice, and I absolutely thought he was going to hit me. Um, I'm like, okay, I, I had my little recorder in my hand. I had put that in my pocket, and I was like, okay, he's going to hit me. So, good times. Yeah. Nice. All right, make sure you all order green lasers for everybody this weekend. <laughs> yeah, really. Uh, check out um, on pulpamex.com later on, um, Moservations from Washougal. There's, uh, it's heavily laser-themed. I'm sure you can't wait. Awesome. Thanks, man. I right, appreciate it. See you. Neil, what's up, man? Hey, uh, Steve. Awesome show. Thank um, you. After watching that little clip 
of you and the lessees having your altercation, I really, really think that you could reenact the scene from the Big Lebowski where Sobchak is going crazy about the rules where you know, he steps over the line. Right, right, right. Um, you would fit that role perfect, and I would just—I think it would get millions of hits on YouTube. I think um, we, yeah, we could do that. Now, I don't—I don't remember the whole thing, but yeah, basically over the line, dude, over the line. <laughs> and on then, a serious note, yeah, Roxon is really going to go four fifties next year. Is he? Yes. Is that like a stamped? Yes, that's stamped going to four fifties. I thought maybe he might go to a three fifty because he's done so well with three fifties in Supercross. Anyways, he's really been able to make it work. But he said four fifty indoors and out. So what's the what's the motivation? Is there more money for him in that class? Because I don't see him being able to to hang with the Ryan's. Um, me neither. To be honest, I just think it's time. You know, everybody wants to, everybody's in a hurry to move up. You know, everybody always wants to move up. I hear Blake Baggett wants to go up to the four fifties, and and you know, I don't understand why because there's lots of money to be made in the small class. You know, so yeah. you uh, would think that he could hang around next year if he doesn't get the outdoor title this year. He would be the odds-on favorite to take it next year. Absolutely right. Yeah, but I guess something's calling him in that direction. Anyway, thank yeah, you. Yeah. Hey, Neil. Uh, you want to win some gear? Of course I do. Fly racing, kinetic gear. I would some love the, it. Some of the best stuff out there, 2014 styles. It's perfect for summer riding. It's light. It's airy. It's, uh, it's perfect. Fly racing gear. The gear, gear, gear of choice of Andrew Short, Trey Kennard, Jimmy Albertson, and many, many others. Weston Pike. So uh, stay on the line, man. Uh, we'll get you your info, and we'll get that gear out to you. Perfect. Thanks, Steve. All right. Thank you for calling. All right. Neil's won the gear. Congratulations to Neil. And, uh, Adam, what's going on, man? Hey, Steve. Uh, good talking to you again. Um, Thank you. Hey, I have a question. You know, since there's shorter time in between motos, I was wondering what the crews were doing uh, any differently as far as preparing the bikes for the second moto. I, I can't imagine that they're going through as many steps as they used to go through, but I have to leave something out, I would think. Or well, maybe, yeah, um, talking to the guys, um, my buddies that are mechanics and people on the team, it doesn't seem like they're skipping, skipping any steps. There's... Basically, you're, you're washing the bike, you're changing the air filter, you're changing the clutch, you're changing the oil. Uh, mm-hmm. You may not always change the oil between motos. You may just do it before the motos. It depends. Um, uh-huh. So even if you're not changing the oil, you're doing the filter. And yeah. you're drying up the electronics. You're drying, you're air drying the bike uh, when needed. You're adjusting um, the kneels. The, you're adjusting the, the, the bars. You're adjusting the grips or whatever you need to do, like whatever gets wrecked in between the motos. Uh, uh-huh. A lot of the top teams, a lot of the top factory teams – are having helper dudes. Um, you'll see, like, the the um, the engineer guy will come in and help out. The, uh, the okay. shop guy will come and help out. A lot of guys will go two to a bike to uh, to get things done. So, um, and, of course, if you, need, right. if you need to change suspension or, or um, um, suspension or shock or whatever, that's a big, that's a big job, and, and it, it, you, you won't make it. Like, as a mechanic, I remember basically – the horn would go off saying, hey, get the staging, and I'd still be putting on my seat and wrapping up, you know, the last possible thing to do. So this is really testing the teams and the riders. Yeah, do you, have, there, have you heard of any stories where the, some of the teams are like, man, we barely got that through? Or oh, we, every, we, we just, every weekend. Or is it like that, every weekend? Oh, every, okay. every weekend, everybody's stressed. You know, the, the smaller teams, um, if they have a motor go or something that, they're effed. And I know one of the things that was brought up, and I meant to bring this up on the Pulp Show, but things got a little crazy, 
One of the things yeah. one of the things I meant to bring up was uh, one of the things spoken about at the managers meeting on Friday was having two bikes. You know, right now you can only have one motorcycle, uh, tech yeah, yeah. and inspected for the day. Some of the managers said, "Hey, how about we do two bikes, and that way, if we have a total catastrophe, we can bring the other bike out." They do that in Europe. They have two bikes in Europe. Um, they have to declare which one they're going to race at the beginning of the day, but they do have two bikes ready to go. Okay, and that brings up, if you have time for another question, uh, it sure. seems like it would be impossible for, like, you know, the guys have their practice bikes and then they have their race bikes. It, it seems in my mind almost impossible to get those bikes exactly the same. So it, it's always kind of confusing to me when I hear, oh, I was on my practice bike all week, and then they come to the race yeah. and they're on the race bike. Can they get the bikes exactly the same? I know they use different parts on the practice bike sometimes, yeah. but... No, no, they probably can't, to be honest. Um, okay. Definitely one of uh, one of the things that the guys would have to, uh, you know, work on. Yeah. Remember, okay. uh, Motocross the Nations, um, Andrew Short was uh, taken out with an aggressive pass by Ben Townley. While uh-huh. that bike was uh, clamps and for- forks and clamps and bars were just jacked. There was no time to wait, so the team put Andrew on the backup bike for the third moto. So that was uh-huh. one instance where... You know, he did have to get on a, a back to bike and, and go racing. They did, but he did a few laps on it in practice to make sure everything was good, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Awesome. Thanks, thanks Steve. Thank you. It. Thanks for listening, man. I appreciate Really appreciate thanks. it. All right. Um, for now, I don't know if Jason Thomas, what's he doing or what, what is Jason Thomas doing? Who knows? Selling fly racewear is what he's doing. That's what he's doing, folks. Uh, he's out on the road. So we may not have Jason Thomas on the show, but we will have Jeff Emig coming up, multi-time national champion. Um, thank you, everybody, for listening to the Fly Racing Moto 60 show. And did you know it's that exciting new gear time of the year? You didn't, you didn't know that? Tits, did you know that? I did. Yeah. Yep. yeah everyone's debuting the new gear. Yep. And uh, Fly's no different. Fly Racing's released its 2014 lineup of racewear. Fly Racing's line, once again, continues to elevate racewear technology fit and finish with revolutionary designs exclusive technology such as its 2d buckle system zipper lock system and the introduction of magnetic technology wow magnetic technology that gets that gets me excited what, what could that be uh represent a new level of innovation in performance race for fly racing 2014 it's available in early august at a dealer near you and no doubt jason thomas who's uh not here right now is probably out selling uh, this stuff right now to dealers and to people everywhere. So, thanks everybody for your call. 702-586-7857 on the Fly Racing Moto 60 show. Man, the lines were slammed. Uh, appreciate it. Glad that, glad you guys like the show. It's 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 doing well. We're pumped. It's not on the level of Monday's Pulpomex show yet, but we'll get there. Fly Racing gear and helmet choice of Andrew Short, Trey Kennard, Weston Pike, Michael Byrne, and a whole host of other top-level athletes. Fly Racing distributed exclusively in the United States by Western Power Sports and is available in 40-plus countries worldwide. Thanks, everybody, for uh, listening. Fly Racing is the reason why there is a Fly Racing Moto 60 show, by the way, in case you're wondering. So the caller brings up an interesting question. Does uh, does Ryan Villapoto get doctor's points if it was Tyler Villapoto shining a laser? It's a, it's a good point. Uh, Tits does not believe so. Um, I think they do. The one good thing, though, to come out of this um, is uh, the fact that there's now been a bit of a precedence um, in the sport with these penalties. Because uh, now, and, and it's been like 
it's been tough to get Feld Motorsports or MX Sports to really put some teeth into penalties. Let's face it. They haven't always been the greatest at this. They're not really big on you know penalizing anyone and everyone. But now, and, now, and okay, I don't think anybody else is going to take a laser and shine it in your eyes, but there's, there's a precedent for you know, doing something bad on the scene. There's points taken away from a rider. There's a team fine. There's, you know, expulsions from the series. So there, there's, there's something there. We, we have a penalty for something now. Now, of course, it was just for lasers. But in my eyes, I'm glad to see, and again, I think that taking Mike's points away were a little harsh. I, 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 I'm not sure if I 100% agree with this, but I do agree with the fact that something was done to a team that was significant for something stupid. You know? There, there, there's that, at least. and Because we, we don't always have that in our sport. So that, that's, that's interesting. I'm, I'm glad that happened. And it's going to be interesting to see going forward what, uh, what goes on from here. All right. So we're, we're talking about Millville. We're talking about the sand whoops. We're talking about the, the, the start straight. And uh, all... A big challenge for the guys. It is a right-hand first turn. Right-hand is where your rear brake is. Sometimes there's crashes at Millville. Sometimes there's uh, opportunities in the first turn that go a little haywire. And that's something to keep an eye on. One there, 1994, Mike LaRocco. Or 1995, Mike LaRocco wrecking his knee in the first turn. You're hauling ass down there. And uh, we'll, we'll talk to maybe Jeff Emig or Jason Thomas about that. Uh, the sand whoops um, always sometimes, they always give you trouble. Sometimes they're different. Sometimes they uh, they flatten them. Sometimes they leave them, and they leave them deep and and big, and where you're basically going through them like uh, um, like uh, supercross whoops. Other times you're staying on top of them. They're smaller, so it really depends on how they prep them and how they leave them. They've been they've been a little different each and every year. So we'll see what they're what they're like this year. But uh, I know one thing: they they are a game changer at Millville. You get through them or you don't. And uh, that is a, a big part of the racing, the races each weekend. One guy who would know all about the sand whoops at Millville, one guy who would know that they make or break you, and most of the time this guy flew at Millville with a bunch of wins, multi-time national champion, Jeff Emig. Fro, what's up? Well, just getting home, spending the day with my little boy, oh, and nice. uh, now it's time to do some work. Yeah, thank you, man. I appreciate you coming on. Um, we always value your insight. So, uh, yeah, uh, the check from last time hasn't arrived. Oh, okay. Is it just still <laughs> their processing problem? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's probably held up in accounting. I'll check. Um, okay. <laughs> hey, uh, I don't... Check with the accounting department. I don't want to. I don't want to. Yeah, I don't want to dwell too much on this laser stuff. God, God, we, that's all we've been talking nah. about. But I do want to ask you this. Uh, do you feel the fines and the Mike's points, the fines, the expulsions? Do you, are you happy with? Are you okay with the punishment? Was it too harsh? Not enough? What do you think? No, I don't think so. Okay. I mean, um, yeah, not to dwell on it too much. I haven't got a chance to listen to uh, your show yet. I was going to dive into that stuff in the uh, the morning uh, when I take off. Just get ready. Um, Just get ready for something. So something else when you start listening. Yeah, to that. you know, and um, you know, as the analyst on the broadcast, you know, I'm I'll be responsible mostly for uh, making a comment about that. But yeah. you know, it's unfortunate that it's consistent with with the history of uh-huh. Alessi Racing. Um, I know that Tony. Like like uh, Jeff stated, you know, 
um, in his open letter to the industry is like, you know, my dad would take a bullet for me. You know, he's Tony. I think the father has just made a lot of mistakes along the way. You know, this obviously is isolated to Jeff, but he's tried to do everything that he can to help make his boys uh, successful. Mm -hmm. And at times there's just some of the things are just irrational and, and, uh, you know, Mike, for sure, but even Jeff, they're both incredible motorcycle riders. Like they, none of this stuff even needs to happen for them to be successful and to have great uh, careers. So I feel that mostly with Mike, a lot of his success has been overshadowed by, you know, all of the other BS that has gone along with, um, you, you know, even dating back into the amateur races. So yeah. this to me is another chapter, chapter in the, Alessi saga of just, you know, uh, you know, bad moves, just bad uh, decisions and, and bad choices. So um, it, it's unfortunate that it's really taking, taking uh, the team with them because, you know, I know that Mike uh, Genova has his critics also and, and the, the writers and managers meeting last week, you know, Tony and Mike evidently were pretty outspoken about things. But the one thing that I hate to see is an individual like Mike Genova, who's really passionate about motocross and supercross, obviously spending his own money, spending profit from his business to go race motorcycles, has had a successful team in the industry. And for the most part, every year they keep getting a little better. Mm -hmm. And now you can see this is going to be like, well, now this shit ain't so much fun. <laughs> right, so right. what's going to happen? You know, is yeah. he going to fold the team? You know, I haven't listened to all of the interviews and all yep. of that stuff. So if he, if because of this incident, he folds the team and decides, you know what, I don't need this to sell Smart Top and I don't need this to sell my other products that I make, and he leaves the industry, well, that's bad for us. That's Absol bad for absolutely. everyone. Yes. And there's 12 jobs in our industry that are just not there anymore. So, you know, whether it's isolated to, to just Jeff or, you know, whatever the case is, it. It's it's just been uh, you know a snowball effect, and it's not good for anyone. No, you're right. So, but but you are okay with what MX Sports decided to do. You're, yeah, that's yeah. not that's not yeah. I mean, yeah. I you know I think that that my 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 first question on that was okay. Did he do it? Well, obviously yes. yes. And you know, uh, Davy Coombs is there and all that stuff. My next question was, um, did he have a team shirt on? Because I feel that if he had a team shirt on, then he was representing the team. Now the team is responsible. And then to find out he was using Tony's pass and, yeah. you know, who knows? It's just, you know, and then afterwards I was uh, actually parked in the rental car that was in the back of the video when, when you guys were face-to-face, -face, you know, after the race, yeah. um, watching everything that was happening. Um, um, and I'm just like, man, this is not good, you know, and <laughs> and just on, you know, on so yeah. many levels. And right. then even as far as Mike uh, Genova, it's like, man, you know, he's got a beer in his hand the whole time. And I'm like going, I'm thinking, man, you know, this is very, very unprofessional, this whole situation. And so well, to be fair, though, lots, um, lots of teams crack open some brews at the end of the day. But yeah, 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 right. yeah but when you know that this sort of thing's happening yeah. and there was uh, quite the uh, the crowd, um, you uh. know, I mean, this was like. I mean, I mean, this is like an MMA fight. I thought we were pre <laughs> pre fight with you, and you were taking right. on uh, you know everyone on the on the team. Uh, so um, odds odds were still on you, Steve. 
Thank you, thank you. All right. Well, well, well said. Um, let's move on to Millville. Um, oh yeah, you you flew there. You you were you were a great rider uh, at Millville. You've I, I don't know how many nationals you won there, but I always remember you doing very well. Uh, what what do you like about Millville as a racer? Talk about that a little well, bit. The first thing is that it was always at the right time of year for me, so it was always super hot. Right. And it was at the end of the season when it's like my contract's up and I need some results <laughs> right. to get a new contract. Because I didn't I, – I'm not sure that I ever signed a contract before the final race. Okay. That was my thoughts. I'm yeah. like, my, you know, I'm not going to sign a contract in January because my results typically were pretty poor in January. <laughs> so I want to sign my contract in September just after I won – a title or a bunch of motocross races, things like that. So first off is the right time of year for me. It's typically super hot, which it's not going to be this year. Mm -hmm. And the motocross gods are like not favoring, uh, you know, wouldn't be favoring a rider like myself that, that, that performed well in the heat. So, um, we still haven't had that really hot race, but, uh, that, and then I like, I love the track, you know, yeah. I, I, I wasn't particularly fond of these sand whoops that you're going to want to talk about. I am. But the yeah. rest of the track, I loved it. It just really, you, you know, you, you, you like certain places, and that's one of the places that I really enjoyed riding. But talking about the sand whoops, um, they're, they're a big part of the race, aren't they? Um, you can get oh, yeah. to them or you don't. Um, I guess basically, and, and, you know, you're tired, it's hot, and you, every lap you've got to come in and let those things take not only one set, you make a left, and there comes the other set. Right at you. Yeah. Well, my story that I have for that, that, that kind of defines how I feel about them. Uh, let's see. I believe it was 90, in 97, 98, one of those years. Mm-hmm. Um, and in practice, I was really slow through the sand whoops. And I, I'm thinking it was, I'm thinking it might've been 98, uh, the year that I broke my thumb in practice. Right. Um, well, the sand whoops, they, you know, they start off, you know, as like individual whoops, right? Mm-hmm. Well, then as the day goes on, they start to get um, flat spots in them. So in between a couple of whoops, like, you know, like every other spot will have a flat spot. Yeah. So you need to wait for it to develop because practice is not the way that they will be in the race or even mm-hmm. late in the second moto. Well, I come in from practice, uh, J-Bone and Paggio and all of the Team Kawasaki guys are on the radio. Everyone's freaking out. I'm super slow through the sand whoops. I come in. They're all over my case, right? And I'm like, lay off me. I'm good. I, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I wasn't really fast in practice ever, Yeah. right? So, so nowadays, nowadays uh, time practice would be really tough for me. But it wasn't about winning practice. It was about getting my flow, you know, getting mm-hmm. that feeling and just getting comfortable well, you know, they're freaking out. And I'm like, you guys need to lay off me yeah. because I'm fine. The rest of the track, we're good. Don't worry about the sand whoops. Well, I don't remember exactly the positions, but let's say off the start in the first moto, it was like Lusk and Henry, both on Yamahas. They both start in front of me. Yep. Well, I pass one guy through the first set. I think Lusk might have led a lap. I pass him through the sand whoops the next time around, mm-hmm. go on and win by 30 seconds, have literally one of my best days. Yeah. Same thing in the second moto. It was one of those guys um, that grabbed the whole shot. Um, it was probably Henry on that cheater four-stroke. <laughs> but uh, no. But then I made the pass on him through the first section of sand whoops on the first lap and went on to win the race. So, you, you know, 
everyone's freaking out in practice about these sand whoops, and I'm saying just get comfortable and wait a second. And if you know, if you have that, you know, that instinct and that intuition of how they're going to shape up and you feel confident that, that once the race comes around, you'll be able to make a move, then you're great. And right. So for me, that was the case that year. Uh, this, this championship, although it's not lost uh, yet for Ryan Dungey, this weekend, I, I, I spoke about this earlier, you know, he caught and passed RV the last time they raced at Millville he, for a great ride, <laughs> domination, dominating ride. Ryan Dungey has to go one one this weekend if he has if he wants to get anything done right. I mean, this is yeah, this is this yeah, is go the, time. Yeah, and the second moto last well, even the first moto, you know, he had that nice couple lead. Villapoto was really off the pace in the beginning, made a lot of mistakes. Proved even in the first moto that man, he got focused and he was dialed in. Second moto was uh, pretty demoralizing for Dungey and uh, KTM, mm-hmm. and so. Um, I hear that KTM was back at the farm this week trying to help him get comfortable. One thing that we know about Ryan Dungey is even in, in a defeat, you're not going to see him throw away the rest of the season. Right. Yeah. Right? Like, there's a lot of guys out there that are just fine with getting third, fourth, fifth. Right? Right. And they're cool with it. You know, as long as nobody's on their case, they're just going to ride it out. Dungey's not that way. He's never going to – it'll be the final moto of the year. He could be 75 points out of, out of the championship, <laughs> and he's still going to give it 110%. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, and my only advice, you know, on that is, you know, you just never know what's going to happen. And so there's a 12-race series. You know, it's not, okay, who's the first one uh, to have a 50-point lead at 8 yeah. races in wins the title that's i mean i've been there firsthand i experienced it with two of my championships good point. you know that that in 96 mcgrath you know even though i started winning he still had this nice cushion of points right mm-hmm. that's what Villapoto's at 42 points and and i benefited greatly from jeremy's mistake then i also i capitalized on it right so unless i had been you know, keep plugging away, keep trying, keep trying to make the bike better, keep doing this. If I had just said, well, you know, it's over, Jeremy's right, won right. the first six, this thing's over. Yeah. It's not. It's not. And so I'm probably a little more optimistic about uh, points deficits than most people would be, you know, and I'm not mm-hmm. being irrational. I mean, Bill yeah. Poto yeah. is, dude, this guy is all time right now. Right. He is. He did what he had to do last week. I guarantee you he is as laser, well, he is as focused <laughs> as, that was, how did that come out? Yeah. He is as focused as ever, right? And if I'm Ryan Villapoto, I'm going, dude, I am feeling great. My bike is great. I am as fit as I've ever been. I'm going to Millville, and I'm going to beat his ass. Yeah. If I'm Villapoto, that's what I'm thinking. If I'm Dungy, I'm going, okay, all right, you know. That's the mindset. Okay, this is my house. I'm going to show you that I do have something for you. So it's great for us on TV and all the fans. Um, it's bad if you set third, fourth, or fifth because I do believe that you're going to see at least a minute, if not a minute and a half, <laughs> between right. these guys this weekend. Yeah, good you point. thought you thought Bud's Creek was was bad. <laughs> Wait till this weekend. I guarantee they crush it. Right. 
Uh, yeah, well said. So. 702-586-7857. We're just wrapping up here with Jeff M.A. Call if you can, if you have a question. Uh, before we let me go, Fro, uh, one point between uh, Eli Tomac and Ken Roxon. Well, how, how's this shape? How's this going to break down? Who do you favor? Who's got an edge if there's one? Um, talk about that that series a little bit. That's getting uh, gnarly. Yeah, it's great. Uh, I I I see these guys kind of uh, you know swapping blows, you know trading blows throughout the rest of the, uh, of the season. The one thing that I feel is that uh, at Washougal, I feel that Tomac his I always feel that his downfall is when his riding technique and his body positioning and balance and these sort of little nitpicky things, when those break down, he was as good as I've ever seen him at Washougal, right? And so Roxon was great, just not good enough. And so now it's the ball is in Roxon's court. What's your answer going to be? Right, what do you, right, okay, right. Tomac did this. Who are you as a champion who are you inside? What do you, where's your fitness at? Where's your desire and your determination at? What are you going to do about it? Are you just going to roll over and let him win? Or are you going to take it back? Because Tomac wasn't happy with being where he was. Yeah. He wasn't happy with his mistakes. So he came back even better. So that's great for us once again. And same thing. These two guys, they are going to dominate it this weekend. Yeah. If, they don't, if they don't win by 30 seconds or more, I will be really surprised. Yeah. Uh, one thing about Kenny, you know, um, in that first moto, he was fifth place, and I'm like, oh, man, he's going to lose a lot, a lot of points. He didn't appear to be really moving up. He didn't appear to be going forward that much. Uh, Baggett, Baggett spike breaks. Uh, Kenny outlasts Justin Bogle. He gets another guy, and he ends up second. Before I know it, he's in second, and he only loses three points. I'm like, man, this kid's re- – like, he's so consistent. He's so, so steady. That's a plus he's, for him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He definitely – has been patient and doesn't seem like that he's freaking out about anything. Um, you know, I always, I always love to watch the post-race interviews, whether they're on Fuel TV or, you know, NBC, mm-hmm. Sportsnet, all of that stuff. Um, but like, are they, are, they, are they happy with where they finished? Are they disappointed? You know, I was always visibly, like you could tell, I will let you know that I am not happy with this event. <laughs> Kenny's kind of hard to read. You know, Roxon's kind of hard to read at times because – He's like, well, you know, I just, yeah. you know, I'm not happy with it, but hey, blah, blah, blah. I would have been, you know, they would have had the, the beat button going because I was dropping <laughs> F-bombs, you right, know, right. just, and I was always visually, you could tell in my body language, in my words, I just told it like it was. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think that both of the riders uh, have what it takes to make this thing a championship all the way to the end. Yeah. So. Um, they both realize that this is their last chance to win this title. They're both moving up to the 450. Um, so great for us, you know. Mm-hmm. And and just like I always say, I, because I I had the experience and I I was fortunate enough to to live through some really really intense championship battles. And sometimes people may think that, hey, you know, was that like so stressful and all that? Now that it's been 20 years, I'm like, dude. <laughs> that is the play, that is that is the dream place to be as a racer. Yeah, win or lose, you want to be. That's what you live for, is to be in that moment. And I, I mean, I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it again. Every time it's championship time, I just yeah, it's like oh yeah, that's what we live for. That's and, what we work 
all of our lives for, and these guys are fortunate enough that right now they are in the position to live this. And, and it's, it'll be some of the best times uh, you know, of their yeah, lives. Right, right. And the flip side is you're out of it. You have four motos to go. It's hot. It's rough. You still have to put the work in, and you're completely out of it, right? That's the flip side where you're like you really yeah. appreciate, you really appreciate oh. being in it. Oh, 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 I've been there before, too. Yeah, I mean, right. Carmichael's the only one that's never been there. I always joke with them. I'm like, dude, you don't know what doing it wrong is all about. <laughs> you don't right, know pain. Right, right, you know? right. So, um, because the guy won a championship every year that he was a pro, you know, except the, except the final season, the farewell season. But, um, yeah, it's, it's a great place to be in. You know, it's better than being back there because these motos, when you're out of it, and you're you already have a contract for the next year and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> yeah, you're it's all so dialed, easy to right, just right. You're like, oh man, the the two thirty five minute motos just seem like an hour long each one of them. You know. Yeah. Um, so. Hey Jeff, uh, Jeff Emick, thank you for coming on Fly Racing Moto Sixty Show. Really appreciate it. Uh, always love the insight, and like you said, I think Millville's gonna be great. And uh, I really like your description there. That's coming right from a horse's mouth about being in title contention and how you feel and how great it is so thanks man that's i'm not just it's a stallion's mouth uh, yeah yeah right? sorry stallion's right. mouth <laughs> good job bread no good good job on coming on thank you appreciate it all right guys thanks for listening see you uh, thanks see ya. that's uh jeff emig everybody multi-time national champion on the fly racing moto 60 show right before we go we're going to segue into uh a guy who's supposed to be on earlier but uh he's very busy he's got a day job jason thomas yes sir i'm here better late than never I was going to, I don't know if you heard Fro there talk about how, you know, you got a contract for next year and you're slacking off and, and all that. And it's really tough to race near the end of the nationals. And then I was going to say, well, two things popped in my mind. A, Jason Thomas was like that every year. And yep. two, and two almost makes a walk, almost makes a guy want to go to Havasu, huh, Fro? <laughs> <laughs> but I held back. That's pretty brutal. I held back. Um, all right. Hey, uh, thanks for coming on. Appreciate it. So, um, Millville this weekend, first off, you and I have gotten into a little disagreement over this, and, and certainly you've raced – I've raced Millville more than you. Let's put that out there, first of all, okay? Doubt it. No, I think I have. I used to go down there and race local races, you know, race some nationals. Okay. But that first turn, right-hander, you yeah. you don't think it's much of an issue? Um. I mean, I've, I've crashed there. I've gotten concussions there, so I wouldn't say that it's not much of an issue. But yeah, I, I, think uh, you, I think you said that a little while ago. You're like, ah, big deal. It's nothing. Yeah. Well, I mean, we face it every weekend, so right. You know, there's okay. not really. There's only a couple of first turns out there that I think that are actually pretty safe. The rest of them, it's just a crapshoot. So I don't really. I wouldn't say it's not much of an issue. I just kind of status quo, really. All right. To me, it was always a pretty hairy going down there, wide open, you know, trying to make oh, a yeah, right I turn. Oh, yeah, I crashed and got run over. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. yeah uh, didn't even know my name when I was, you know, right. got up. So. We, we need to check the archives, but uh, I think you told me it was no big deal one time. Uh, well, yeah, and that's like, I, like we were just saying. It, it kind of is no big deal because we face that every single weekend. Every first turn's like, oh, boy, here we go. Okay, okay, so, so uh, we don't have you for too much longer, but Millville Sandwhoops, uh Kind of the deal breaker there, right? Every lap be coming around, and you're like, "Oh man," you know? Uh, yeah, yeah. And it, the the good side of it is it's an actual like established passing section. Right. I mean, that's 
if you can't find anywhere else to pass, there's your opportunity. Every single lap, you know, no matter what, that you have a chance to pass there if you can really nail that section. So. Or you can get past if you don't nail it. If you don't nail it. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. <laughs> right. Yeah, I always suck there. So it was kind of, I was just trying to play defense and swerve across the track in front of whoever was coming. So. As, a, as a former mechanic, I remember always, hey, you can't have your bike set up great for those sand whoops, and, and, and it's going to work on the flat part over on the other side. Bike setup. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's a big compromise for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, you're, you have to get your bike to work there somewhat, but setting your bike up for back there definitely is is counterproductive to setting it up on the rest of the track. So you're always trying to find that happy medium of where I can get through there, but then I still am going to feel comfortable yeah. everywhere else. Yeah, ideally. Um, been a, yeah, so, sorry, go ahead. Ideally, you'd want your. Uh, uh, I guess I said go ahead, and then I talked. <laughs> <laughs> well, there, there's been a few years where it really didn't matter. Um, there's been a few years where you had to double all the way through there. Right. And then it was like, oh, forget it. Let's just set it up for the rest of the track. Uh, yeah, but yeah. but those are few and far between. Most of the time, it's these, you know, we're doing 40 miles an hour wheeling through these loops. And if your bike doesn't work there, you're in big trouble. Yeah, so. yeah Fro, Fro had a good point where, and I do remember this, you know, about halfway down, this, down the whoop section, there would be a, one that would be flat, and you could accelerate off that one. You know, and then you could right. hit the next couple – then accelerate off a next flat one and kind of make your way through it by either doubling or skimming or, you know, a combination of both. Yeah, RC would be – RC was always really good there. Um, <laughs> yeah. Shocker. He was really good everywhere. I but know. No, he was, though. He would, he, yeah. He would get going so fast across the beginning of him, and then right when you get to about where the tree is, uh, it's probably half to three-quarters of the way down, mm-hmm. he would be going so fast that he would actually triple off this one and then it would set him up in a different rhythm than everybody else for the rest of them. And he would be in, like, this smoother section where nobody was really hitting the downsides of these things. Yeah. But yeah. To, to do it, you had to be freaking hauling ass coming across those things right. to be able to triple, and nobody else could really do it. So. Yeah, so you're landing in the takeoff whoop for everybody, yeah. and you're, right. you're taking off in the landing whoops. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, right, right. So he's, he's uh, you know, um, hitting, hitting stuff where nobody else is gone, and, you know, just, like, he needs another advantage. You know, so. <laughs> right, right. What else? Uh, Tony, you there? Yep, I'm what, here. What's going on, man? How you guys doing? Um, I've been listening to the show and your last podcast you guys been doing and everything, and you keep mentioning the Dungy Cosville Poto, and we all agree that, yes, he did that. But I believe the Vero Poto got two things in my two things in mind right now, okay. and one is try to get as much points so he can secure the championship is one, and the second one is the um, I don't remember when he got the new bike, where he started winning again, but I think this year, with, all the, with the bike the way he is, and the way he's riding the bike right now, I think um, if he get a good start I think you won't be able to get it I mean okay. you got to be something yeah. bad to happen that that was my question so, No, so. um JT we were talking about if you know Ryan Dungey's phenomenal at Millville the last time they raced he caught and passed Ryan and actually uh Tony you Ryan got the new bike after Millville that year so okay. um you know when he started going on that roll but JT, uh, you know Ryan Dungey, pretty much he has to go one-one this weekend on, on a track that he's so fast on. Uh, well, I mean, in his mind, he does. I don't think you know, you know, you and I both know Ryan Poto very well, and you know his mindset. And there would nothing on this earth would make him happier than to go one-one at Ryan Dungey's home track. Yes, yes. So 
Uh, if anybody doesn't think that's a big factor in his mind is to beat Dungy at his home track, they probably should think again because that's just how Ryan Del Porto is. Very similar to Ricky Carmichael where they're that smart ass, I want to beat you down and then, you know, make you weigh in your own, you know, <laughs> remains type. That's just their attitude. They they love to inflict pain and they just want to beat people bad. So right. I don't think it, it's not a, it's not evil to where he doesn't like Ryan Dungey, but it's com, it's competitive. Well, he wants to beat hey, Ryan Dungey on his home track. Hey, look at him passing James on the outside, which he admitted he wanted to pass James yeah, on the yeah, outside. Yeah, just just right. because James said that, you right. know, right. he he even if he would have had an opportunity, he probably would have waited there and been like, <laughs> "I'm gonna make this guy eat his words." That's right. just how those guys operate. Yeah. It's what drives him. I mean, that's that's right. what sets, that's right. what sets him apart. Thanks, Tony. Yeah, not a problem. Thank you. Uh, the way you say he wants to inflict pain, what is he, Clubber Lang? No, I mean, you know as well as I do. Like, no. it's when, when he's making fun of you in the truck, he likes to rub it in. That's just, you know, yeah. it's how these guys are. They want to dominate, and they, they don't want to win. They want to dominate. You know, they want to be the best guy, and they want you to know it and, and you to tell them about it because it's just uh, hey, how competitive I, I, these guys are. I know how that is. I work for Tim Ferry. He wanted to dominate. Yeah. He wanted to dominate, and he did most times. Yeah. Um, okay. No, it's just it's yeah. just a little bit like you can almost call it. It's I don't want to say vindictive because that's just a negative connotation on it, but it really yeah. is, man. These guys are just they're vicious when it comes to stuff like this. Hey, like, Fro, uh, Fro said. Uh, sorry to hurry you along, but Fro said he w- he thinks Eli and Roxon are going to win by thirty seconds. He thinks RV and Ryan Dungey are going to be a minute and a half ahead of third place. He thinks they're both of the top two guys are going to put a beat down on their respective classes. Do you agree? I would agree at a track like this. Right. Um, there, there is a lot of separation, and the sand moves, and the track gets rough, and uh, a lot of traction. The guys can really get aggressive. Um, I think that the temperature of the weekend may may go against that theory. Uh, yeah, the high is only like seventy three, seventy one, so according to me. Yeah, what I yeah, said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it goes against that theory a little bit of what Fro's saying, but I still mm-hmm. do think that this is one of the tracks where the weeds get just ridiculous. You know, Dungey was winning like 45 seconds to a minute right, right, in years right. past, so I, w- I would agree. Um, do we expect to see another strong race from Jake Weimer or Josh Grant? Like, what they've both, you know, Weimer had a strong Washougal 10-4. Uh, Jake, Josh Grant's been riding pretty well the last couple of races. He had some he had bike problems at Washougal in one moto, but... Is this sort of an upward trend, or, or is it kind of a crapshoot? Do, do, do you really see these guys improving, or was it just, you know, sort of their, um, their, their weekend? Weimer was good here last year, um, so, he, you know, he may kind of run with that. It's this dirt's pretty similar to what he's been training on all summer in Florida. Um, Josh Grant's a question mark. I, I really expect him to continue this for the rest of the season. I don't think he's going to be on the podium this weekend, but at the same time, I think he'll be in that four through eight. Uh, which was it seemed tough for him to do earlier in the year. Right. So, um, yeah, I think both of them are going to kind of continue on the same path they've been going down, and and I expect uh, not only top ten, but you know, closer to top five, right. both from both of them. Millville, one of your favorite tracks? It, it was, it was. Yeah. I didn't always have the best results there. You know, it's hit and miss for me. But as far as enjoying the track, it was one of those yeah. one of those races where I actually had fun on the racetrack, and that that's not the case most times. Yeah, I think most people agree. Wouldn't you think most riders are very happy to be going to Millville this weekend? Yeah, and, and the traction's always good, which is a huge thing. The dirt's soft, it's ruddy, it gets rough, um, the jumps are fun. Uh, and that, that stuff, man, when you ride your dirt bike every single day and you race all these tracks, 
it really comes into play, man. It's hard to keep the fun in it, and there's a track you're actually looking forward to riding that, you know, yeah. it's a nice thing to have sometimes. <laughs> yeah, no doubt about it. All right, JT. Thanks, man. Thank you. Oh, well, right, uh, last question for you. Uh, somebody called in and asked, and, and I can defer to you on this because, um, you know, you, you used to race, apparently. Um, does any of this laser stuff affect Michael Essie? I said no. But do you think, it, as a racer, does it, does, it get, does it get to him? Well, I think if it was Tim Ferry, maybe. But And Michael Essie's had controversy around him from day one. His dad's been doing crazy stuff with his brother, himself. I mean, they got, when does the guy not had controversy surrounding him? So yeah, yeah. for him, he's probably so numb to stuff, to people talking and believe the hype shirts and all this crap. So probably not him. I think he would probably be the least. Okay. Affected by something like this. Uh, Tits is working overtime right now, so this is this is all up to you, Tits Legendary. Do we take this last call about JT, or do we move on? If we can keep it brief, then I'll allow Whoa. it. All right, he'll allow uh, it if you keep it brief. Yes, please JT. kindly keep it brief. Colton, no Colton, you got a question for Jason Thomas? Yeah, uh, I had a question. I'm privateer racing. I qualified for two nationals, but. Uh, I'm just struggling with my fitness a little bit. I was wondering if he had any guidance for me. This isn't Colton, um, Colton Fasciati, is it? No, it's okay. Colton Eck. Okay. Oh, hey, Colton Eck. And you have qualified for double the amount of nationals as your host, Steve Mathis, by the way. <laughs> um, yeah. Now, honestly, uh, the biggest thing I would tell people is seat time is irreplaceable. Um, okay. it, it's got to be quality seat time. We were doing 35-minute motos consistently. And unless you do that, you're going to get tired. It's just a fact. I don't care how much you bicycle or uh, do, you know, Richard Simmons aerobicizing or whatever you want to do. Uh, if you're not doing 35-minute motors on your motorcycle, there's no way you can possibly race as hard as you can for 35 minutes, you know, on the weekend. So mm-hmm. um, I know that sounds simple, but uh, yeah. Mathis can attest to this. He's been and seen everybody out there go practice during the week. It's it's a staple. I mean, you just don't get away well, from it. That's what everybody does. Sometimes our guys in our sport seem to think it's the Tour de France. No, totally. And that, yeah. that's kind of what I mean is these right. guys get so caught up in all this cross-training stuff, but we race motorcycles and we do it for 35 minutes twice on Saturdays, and that, that's all that matters. It doesn't matter how fast you can ride your bicycle over 100 miles or whatever you're doing. Nobody cares about that on Saturday afternoon when they're looking at the results sheet. So, um yeah, I mean, as simple as that sounds, I know that's not groundbreaking information, but right. if you really will concentrate on doing two 35-minute motos as many days as you can a week, you're going to see huge results come from it. All right, awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks, Colton. And uh, sorry about your crash here at Washougal. That was nasty. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it is what it is. I'll be back at Miller. So. Right, perfect. Right on, man. Thank All you. Right. Thanks. Thanks, guys. He, uh, he's yep. coming out of the first out by the mechanics area, JT? Yep. You make a left? He, yeah. he made a left. It looked like his rear end stepped out on him, and he high-sided into the ground. It was ugly. Oh, perfect. I've yeah. done that before. Right, oh. right. Uh, all right. Hey, uh, JT, thank you for uh, coming on the show, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, no worries. All right. See I'll you talk- guys. Uh, see you tomorrow. I'll see you this weekend. Yep. All right. I'm in. See you guys. See ya. All right, everybody. That has been the Fly Racing Moto 60 show. Really appreciate you guys listening. Uh, Jeff Emig, Jason Thomas, Cold Neck called in. A little bit of a celebrities. Celebrity show. Thank you, uh, Fly Racing, for giving away the kinetic stuff. I appreciate it. The gear and helmet choice of Andrew Short, Trey Kennard, Weston Pike, Michael Byrne, and a whole host of other top-level athletes. Fly Racing distributed exclusively in the USA by Western Power Sports, available in 40-plus countries worldwide. Washugal's in our rearview mirror. 
the lasers are in our rearview mirror. And Millville is looking ahead to that. We're looking ahead to Millville. I appreciate you guys listening. Thank you, everybody. And uh, we will see you next week on the Fly Racing Moto 60 Show. Thank you, Tits. Yeah,